0: Hey everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Friday, April 5th. This is episode number 749. Today on Meet My Friend Friday, I have a guest that I've been hinting about for a while here, and her name is Jessica Smith, and we're going to be talking about the topic of yoga. Now, this is a question I get a lot over at Mailbox Monday, and I've got my own personal story and my own personal uh, journey in understanding this, but I I met Jessica at an event that I was speaking at in Oregon some months back, and her testimony was so compelling. I thought, listeners need to hear this. And so if you're either practicing yoga or you're wondering how yoga stacks up against the word of God, stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, everybody. So I want to say thank you to everyone who's been leaving reviews for this podcast over at iTunes. We greatly appreciate it. This is the middle of my speaking season. And so this weekend I am in Hebron, Kentucky at the Answers for Women conference uh, over at Answers in Genesis. So I know a lot of you are coming out to hear that this weekend. I can't wait to see you. Be sure and come up and let me know that you're a podcast listener because I love to hug your neck. Next week, I will be at Teach Them Diligently in Waco, Texas. And then I've got a week off and then I'll be at RVHEA in Ottawa, Canada. So we are excited about what God is doing here at the podcast and just encouraging you to grow in your walk with the Lord. And really, That's the reason why I asked Jessica to come on the podcast. So many of you guys have heard me, you know, over the years kind of joking about yoga on the podcast. I actually never really thought much of it grew up in a Christian home uh, and I injured my back when I was young and I was introduced to the idea of yoga and to mostly just the stretches uh, through physical therapy. And I won't lie. And I told this to Jessica, those stretches have been very helpful for me. And so they started out with, you know, uh, just the just basic poses, downward dog and things like that, just to sort of stretch out my body and my, uh, my back, which is broken in a couple different places. And so it was important to me to find something that would help me so that my, uh, my speaking would not be hindered. Well, I met Jessica when I was speaking in. Oregon some months back, and she began to tell me about her journey uh, with through with yoga, and it was fascinating to me. So I'm going to read you her bio, and then I'm going to go ahead and introduce her. You guys are going to be. I hope this encourages you the way it encouraged me because I'll tell you what, Jessica changed my mind on how I have seen the topic of yoga most of my most of my life. So uh, Jessica's bio reads reads like something out of a novel, and it's so interesting. I'm just going to read it to you. It says a paranormal encounter with a psychic relative, convinced Jessica of the spiritual reality outside the bounds of her Christian upbringing, projecting her on an intense quest for spiritual truth. As the mysterious realm of energies and meditation opened before her, she expanded her practice by seeking in-depth training at a Buddhist center in California, a meditation retreat in South America, and an ashram in India. After a decade of passionately pursuing spirituality, she became a certified yoga teacher and a master level Reiki practitioner. Jessica then moved forward with her dream to share these teachings with others, but strange things began to occur. Before her business plan for an instruction center was completed, a terrifying and profound spiritual encounter shattered not only Jessica's goals, but the very lens through which she viewed the world. Truth was finally found in one place she had refused to look. She realized the Bible was the only truth and Jesus, the only one who could save her from the darkness she had opened herself to. This is a fantastic story of hope and healing. Jessica Smith, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Heidi. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you talking about this topic and sharing your story with listeners. You and I had a very brief conversation when uh, when we met in Oregon. And the thing that in, that I think I told you at the time I was so interested in hearing about was I think most people like me, most Christians like me would say, well, if I do those yoga poses, it has nothing to do with spirituality. I can remove myself from that. You have a different perspective. I think it's important too to let listeners know that you've gra- you've graduated with honors from Portland State University. So you're kind of from this neck of the woods, and now you're married, and you've got two uh, boys and a baby on the way. So congratulations Thank you. Uh, with that <laughs> exciting, exciting stuff. I never talk people out of having babies, so I'm excited for you. <laughs> um, you. So let listeners know a little bit about your background before we jump into what yoga is and what the Bible says about it.
1: Sure. So like you mentioned in um, when you were reading my biography, I, I have a, a very strong background in yoga and meditation and um, all things of the spiritual realm um, outside of the Bible. Really, I, I grew up as a Christian, but um, I slowly slippery sloped outside of that after um, after an experience with a, a, one of my friends had passed away and um, I had an, an encounter with a relative um, I didn't know at the time that she was, uh, psychic and, uh, she proceeded to help me quote unquote, help me have a conversation <laughs> with my, who I thought was my friend who just passed away. And that really, that experience, um, really projected me on the path of wanting to find out how I could do that too. I wanted to be able to quote unquote help people the way I felt that she had helped me kind of work through the death of my friend, even though in within that conversation now in retrospect, knowing the Bible again and, and, trusting that Jesus and the Bible are, are the only sources of truth. Now I look back on that conversation and I just think, wow, there was so much that was just completely contradictory to the Bible. So much about reincarnation and um, just contradiction after contradiction. Um, not to mention that just even communicating with the spiritual realm. Right, was I was going to say, not to mention Bible. communicating with, yeah,
0: with the spirit <laughs> right. world, right. But It's
1: the little time, things. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. But at that point, you know, I mentioned that I was a, I was a Christian as a child, Note at that point, um, I was, you know, shortly after high school and I'd been on the path of rebellion and partying and had slippery sloped further and further away from my walk to, you know, Satan saw his opportunity and, and he used it to just, um, you know, kind of cut that last cord, if you will, of uh, just rebellion against the Lord. And I decided that, um, you know, I'd been seeking truth, quote unquote truth. And, and then I had this experience that felt like love and it felt like truth. And I decided to trust those feelings instead of trusting the word of
0: God. And that's really where the decade of <laughs> darkness. Isn't that, that, this amazing? Because yeah. really what you're saying is, this is the narrative of the entire culture right now, Mm -hmm. that we're trusting our feelings more than we're trusting the word of God. We've sort of idolized our feelings. I think it's important to, I want to camp on this for just a second, because you say that you grew up in a Christian home. There are a lot of parents and teenagers even right now listening to this podcast who would consider themselves uh, Christians, parents who are raising kids in a Christian home. And they think, oh, this could never happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you say that this was a slippery slope, can you describe for listeners what you mean by that sure, absolutely. Um, I never intended, certainly, to rebel against the Lord. I loved
1: Jesus as a child, um, but where it all started, Heidi, was uh, popularity. To be completely honest, I I wanted to feel cool and um, everything that went along with that of partying. At first, I was just the you know token Christian, and at first, you know, I wouldn't drink the beer. I'd just go, and then of course, slowly over time, that. The influence of the people I was spending time with started influencing me more than I was influencing them. That's for sure. And you know, it's just slowly those those little choices. You know, you hear the the prompting of the Lord: don't go there, don't drink that. Mm. And and the the more I would ignore those promptings, you know, and it's just one beer, and then the next time it was more, and the next time it was this and this compromise and this compromise. And slowly, after time, that little prompting of the Lord got quieter and quieter. I started wanting to go to church less and less. And it really was just a slow digression away from
0: being passionate about the Lord and letting other things take priority. Which I think is so important for parents who are listening. The Bible says in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, that bad company mm-hmm. corrupts good character. And oftentimes I hear parents say, Well, my my child is, you know, 13, 14, 15. I pretty much stay out of their the friend thing. And mm-hmm. I I just kind of let them and man, I'm like, boy, that's so wrong. Mm-hmm. Because parents need to be in there as much as we can be, because it's really true, bad company does corrupt good character. And we should be aware who are our kids hanging out with, what are the influences? That are shaping their worldview. Absolutely, I could not possibly
1: agree with that more. I've thought about that verse often. <laughs> it's coming back to the Lord and just wonder how things would have been different if I would have uh, made choices to spend time around you know the, the, the Christians I knew from church instead of people who yeah. I viewed as cool
0: cooler, right. So you talk about moving into so kind of wanting to be cool and then having this experience and it kind of opened your eyes to a spiritual world that really is real, right? I mean, so we're talking about something that's absolutely real. People say, well, that's not real. Psychics aren't real, all that stuff. Yeah. One thing is that people don't
1: realize is that the bible actually very clearly tells us that everything about the the demonic realm and the spiritual realm and um, psychics and mediums and communicating with the with the spiritual realm is Real, but it's very deceptive, and the Bible is very, very clear about that. And um, I think that's that's something that's very masked in our culture. We're often, you know, uh, told that, and that's certainly what I had thought before my experience too. Is like, oh, the Lord just warns against it because it's not really real. Or if I would have dug in deeper, I would have seen over and over and over. The Lord says it's very real and it's very deceptive and it's very dark and it presents itself as light. It presents itself as things that it's not. That's why he wants us to stay away from it. You know, how dangerous it is. But as far as yoga, I was introduced to that probably about, oh, I don't know, halfway through my my uh, path um, of spirituality, I would say Um, I was introduced to it. My first yoga class in the Bay area in California. And I I just kind of left like, I don't know what the big fuss is about. And didn't really feel like I got a big workout. Didn't really feel like I tapped into anything spiritually, so to speak. And, um, But then I took another class um, when I was uh, traveling through Central America. I, I took another one that, that completely blew my mind. And I felt like I got a good workout and I just dropped into meditation, a really deep meditation uh, very quickly. And I thought, aha, so this is what <laughs> this is what yeah. people are talking about. And I thought, well, what a great tool on my tool belt to be able to introduce people who would otherwise be closed off, you know, people like Christians. And I wasn't malicious at the time. I thought it was really good. I thought it was really helpful, but I thought, um, you know, a lot of people are closed off to meditation because they, uh, they think that their religion is against it, which it very much is like Christianity. Um, but I thought (laughs) thinking that it was so such a good thing, I thought, well, what a great tool in the tool belt to be able to help people, um, learn these things when they would otherwise be closed off to them. For example, I could, you know, Christians would certainly come to, I could get them to come to a yoga class at a, at a gym because it's presented as, um, you know, as spiritual. Fitness. Yeah, exactly. As spiritually neutral. So, uh, that, that's really what projected me on the path of wanting to
0: get to the root and foundation of yoga. That's amazing. So once you get into it, I think it's interesting because you had already been exposed to the sort of spiritual underbelly of the world that we live in and it had piqued your interest. And you'd said something earlier that was fascinating to me, just talking about how uh, this is really a counterfeit truth, right? And how it was presented as light and really it's Darkness, and really, that's mm-hmm. what Satan did in the garden, right? When he tempted Eve, and he lied to her, and he said, "You know, you, you're not going to die. You're going to be like God. You're going to have uh, wisdom that you didn't have before. You're going to know things mm-hmm. that you didn't ha- that you didn't know before." And the reality is, Satan is doing the same old thing he's been doing for millennia, right? It just looks a different way. Right now, in the culture, but it's the same old lie because it's the same old devil.
1: we fall for the same thing, we fall for the same tricks. Satan doesn't need to to change his his uh his attempts very much. <laughs> so I, I just think of that verse in second corinthians eleven three to four where Paul is warning the Corinthians he says. I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He says, if someone causes you or if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus, other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received or different gospel than the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. And that's exactly what's going on here. It's we, we just, we're being fed these lies and, and, and we're being our, our church is being led astray from the sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And we, we put up with it.
0: Yeah. And I think sometimes, particularly in the case of yoga, and this has certainly been the case with me, I've, I've never been a practicer of yoga because I know, I know that yoga in and of itself is wrong, but the, the stretches and all that kind of stuff, I kind of felt like, well, this is benign because I'm not doing, I'm not doing the meditation. I'm not doing any of that stuff. You say it's not benign. So I want you to tell, uh, listeners describe for people who are like, man, I just don't know what is yoga exactly.
1: Sure. So a lot of people don't realize that yoga actually has its own doctrine. So we can go back to, you know, I can tell you my opinion. I can tell you my experience with yoga or how it makes me feel or what I think about yoga. But all of that really, honestly, is irrelevant because we can look at what yoga is It has its own doctrine. And then we can look at the Bible and what it says and we can see if they're in alignment. Now, I know the temptation for a lot of people is to say, well, well, not my kind of yoga. I'm not doing the type that you're talking about and the doctrine. And I'm gonna tell you why that's not the case. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain to you why even the poses alone, even just for a quote unquote exercising. You know, a lot of people think they just do the exercise part. I'm gonna explain to you how that is not the case, how even just the poses alone. Activate the spiritual realm, and how even if you think you're just doing the exercise part, it is still setting into motion the spiritual realm, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. But as far as what yoga actually is, yoga means to yoke, and um, you know we're familiar with that term yoke because in Matthew eleven twenty nine, the Bible tells us to take Jesus's yoke upon him upon us and to learn from him. This is not the same type of yoke. This this yoke means to open oneself spiritually and invoke, invite in the spirit of yoga in and, and the same sense of becoming that spirit, of becoming God. Um, the same way, the, the best way a teacher once explained it to me is like a raindrop falling from a cloud and becoming one with a puddle. That's the rain is becoming the water, becoming the puddle the same way that this is the type of yoking that it's talking about, that we are opening ourselves and becoming God, which of course we know as Christians is not the case. We will never become God. We're not God and certainly don't want to become one with the pagan God that is outlined um, in the yoga doctrine and the yoga doctrine mm-hmm. is called the, the yoga sutras. Um, and I don't get too deeply into the yoga sutras Um either in interviews or on my website, just because the Bible warns us in multiple places, Deuteronomy 1230, Romans 16, 19, not to dig too deeply into pagan practices because they're intended to be a trap. But what I do say is I, I give you enough of what the Yoga Sutras say to show that it is completely antithetical to the Bible. For example, the Yoga Sutras are basically an outline for sorcery and divination um it's a basically a guidebook for sorcery and divination it names the pagan god of yoga it and names how to how to yoke yoga is yoke yoking with that pagan god that it names um and very clearly um you know as christians we know there are verse after verse after verse that says that there is no other god but the lord you know deuteronomy 5 7 deuteronomy 4 39 there is no other god um and uh if you're interested of course in more very specific scriptures and just showing side-by-side comparison yoga doctrine biblical doctrine side by side and just showing that they're completely antithetical on my website um, www.truthbehindyoga.com I have that um, lined out so you can very easily see over and over and over again that yoga sutras what is the foundation of yoga is very antithetical to the bible now again a lot of people will say well not my type of yoga.
0: Well, this is where you and I, this is where you really hooked me because anybody's been listening to my podcast for very long. I joke about it from time to time. Honestly, I don't do it very much, but I've joked about, you know, yoga stretches and man, people will be like, you know, boy, I can't believe you even said that. And I just, it kind of bummed me out. I was like, back off, you know, why is everybody so up in arms about this? And I do think there's a right way and a wrong way (laughs) to point something out. But when I asked you about it, that was my question. I said, what do you say to the Christian who really is innocently, um, they learned it in physical therapy like I did or wherever, and it's genuinely helped them. And they have heard that this is just exercise. So you said to me, this can't work. And that's what you said to me. You said you, this, this idea that yoga is just exercise is actually a lie. So that's what I would love to go into that. Like, why do you say when the Christian who's, cause right, there's, there's organizations that promote yoga as Christian versions of yoga. I mean, we see, I see this in churches all over the Pacific Northwest. I'm sure you have too. Why do you say that quote, Christian yoga isn't compatible with Christianity?
1: Oh, there's so many places I want to go with this, but the first thing I want to say um, is um, I'll just take you straight to a guru. A guru is a word for a teacher in um, in yoga. They're you know it, basically anybody who is who knows the spiritual reality of yoga. Um, gurus. Uh, A lot of teachers in our country don't even understand, I don't have a clue about the spiritual reality, but people who really know gurus will tell you that, um, you know, your intent, if you, if you just want it to be exercised, it's completely irrelevant. Now listen to this quote, Heidi, Um, this is from guru Manju Joyce and his dad Found it. He was His dad was a, a really popular guru here in the West who uh, founded a really popular style of yoga that's all over gym classes, all over our country, um, probably at your gym, <laughs> local gym. Um, this is what his dad said. This was his philosophy. Uh, Manju Joyce is quoting here about his dad. He says, his, referring to his father, philosophy is that yoga will take you automatically to the meditative state, you see. That's how it will draw you into the spiritual path. See, that's why he says the yoga asanas or the poses, asanas are poses. So he says the yoga poses are important. You just do. Don't talk about the philosophy. 99% practice and 1% philosophy. That's what he taught. Now, listen, I'm still quoting here. You just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it talking about the poses, then slowly it talking about the spiritual will start opening up inside of you. So here's a guru saying, and this is very popular. I mean, gurus will tell you this everywhere that it doesn't matter if you know what you're doing or not just doing the poses alone. That's what opens up the spiritual. Now as Christians, we know that not everything spiritual is good. We've established by the yoga doctrine that this is a pagan practice. And the spiritual that, that is being opened up inside of you is absolutely demonic. And there's no way to plug Jesus into that. And we can talk about that a little bit. Um, we can certainly talk about that um, soon. But just while we're still talking about, well, um, you know, why why can't I do it just for exercise? I also want to cite this scientific study that was recently done. Secular Study, Journal of Health Psychology. It was published a few years back, which I think is just fascinating because it's really, really telling as to what happens when people just do quote unquote the exercise part. It's impossible. So here's what the study looked at. The study looked at um, why people do yoga and why they keep doing yoga. And here's what the study found. It said both students and teachers adopted yoga practice primarily for exercise and stress relief. Um, so it's saying most people started it just for exercise and stress relief, no spiritual intent, right. no nothing like, like most of right. most, like what you're talking about. Uh, it's yeah. over. It said over 62% of students and 85% of teachers reported having changed their primary reason for practicing um, for both the top changed primary reason was spirituality. And, and I'm still quoting from the study here. Findings suggest that most initiate yoga practice for exercise and stress relief, but for many, spirituality becomes their primary reason for maintaining practice. Now, I think that's really, really telling, wow. Heidi, because we well, don't that. just that basically with,
0: proves what that guy said. Right. That guru exactly. Said the same thing.
1: Exactly what the guru is saying and what anybody who knows the spiritual reality of yoga will say to you that it doesn't matter what your intent is. Intent is completely irrelevant. It's like this, Heidi. um, This is a great illustration that I use sometimes that kind of helps people wrap their minds around it. Like, uh, are you familiar with a Ouija board? Do you think your listeners know what a Ouija oh, yeah. board is? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, basically, the the little game piece for those of you if anybody doesn't know, it's a. a right, I'm pretty a, sure like Milton Bradley sells it at yeah, Walmart now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's been packaged as a harmless, you know, board game for kids or families. Those of us who are familiar with it, we know that it is very much not harmless. It's basically just a board with letters on it and a little plastic game piece, and the practitioner places their hand on the game piece and asks questions, and seemingly harmless, seemingly like, you know, just a fun, silly thing to do, but we know that the placement of the fingers on the plastic game piece activates the spiritual realm. And, you know, the, the question is asked, and that game piece, you know, sometimes nothing will happen, but sometimes something does happen and that game piece moves and you don't have any control over that you know by placing your hand there you are opening yourself up to the demonic spiritual realm now is there anything wrong with the letters on the ouija board of course not just like there's nothing wrong with stretching satan doesn't get to claim letters we use them in the bible (laughs) we use them in words right Um, there's nothing wrong with letters and there's nothing wrong with stretching satan doesn't get to claim those either But the actual the act of interacting with the with the letters and this plastic game piece within the context of this of this uh, board, since the whole purpose of the Ouija board is to commune with to uh, communicate with the spiritual realm that activates that act activates the spiritual realm. It's the same thing with yoga, only instead of placing the hands on the game piece, the practitioner moves their body into the movements the asanas the poses that activate the spiritual realm what many people don't know is that many many of the asanas are actually invocations to specific gods that they represent the sun salutation is an invocation to the sun god there are many many more um, that I don't that I won't get into here but um, just to know that there's um, th- th- actually just doing the poses alone is activating the spiritual, Realm. And there's one more study that I wanted to or one more quote, rather, that I wanted to bring up just uh just in support of that is um, Candy Gunther Brown is a professor at Indiana University, and she uh, has written numerous works on this subject about new age subjects and alternative healing. Um, she's a professor of religious studies that uh, just brilliant professor Um And she has studied this extensively. And she says, and I'm quoting, there's also evidence from all of her research she's referring to, there's also evidence that practicing something connected with religion can actually change people's beliefs. And she jumps ahead to say, over time, people who start off attracted to an alternative practice because there's a perceived health benefit start to embrace the religious ideas underneath these practices. So she's saying that with all of her research, what she has found is that over time people start these things that are connected to religious studies or something religious that for no religious purpose at all, but over time they start to embrace the religious ideas underneath these practices. And that is Satan's plan. That is his goal With yoga, it is being masked as something that it is not in this country because that's that's the plan. It's a slippery slope. Satan's goal is to slippery slope us away from the Lord and to derail us from our walk. And yoga is one way that he's doing that in this
0: country. It's so fascinating to me because we're seeing this happen and it happens and you're absolutely right. It happens ever so slowly, right? It's just one little, we give up one, one little thing here and one little thing there. And pretty soon the church is embracing homosexuality. The church is embracing, I heard a a popular uh, so-called Christian speaker say that as long as the gay couple was married in the church, that that union was holy before the Lord because they've entered into the institution of marriage. And I was like, whoa, read your Bible. (laughs) That's actually, that's actually not right, but you can see how this wanting to embrace uh, what the world is doing, little by little by little, we're losing our um, our influence. In the culture, and I've seen this absolutely in the Christian yoga movement, which is why I'm so fascinated by this. I'm going to ask you one more question. Then we're going to, we're going to take a pause and we'll come back on Monday and continue this conversation. But I want to end today's conversation by talking about Christian yoga. So there are lots of churches. I can think of three off the top of my head and in the Portland, Vancouver area who are uh, big signs out in front of their churches. That they have a program uh, that is, I don't want to say the name of the program, but they have a program that's basically supposed to be a Christian version of yoga. So they plug Jesus in and they attempt to make a person's yoga practice, a spiritual practice for the Lord, for Jesus. Why can this not work according to the Bible?
1: Well, and that's a that's a great point, Heidi, because that's what we need to go back to the Bible. And that's why I love your podcast so much, because you always go back to the word of God, which I so, so, so appreciate. And that's what we need to be doing as Christians. And if we do that, then we can see very, very, very clearly that the Lord is clear on this. He does not share his glory. And I'll just give you a few verses here. And Deuteronomy 12, 30 to 31, he says, be careful not to be ensnared by inquiring about their gods saying how do these nations serve their gods we will do the same you must not worship the lord your god in their way he says in deuteronomy 12:3 to 4 when he's at uh, telling the people of Israel, you know, when they're going in to take over the the land that he's given them, he says, break down their altars, smash their sacred stones and burn their Asherah poles in the fire. Cut down the idols of their gods and wipe out their names from those places. You must not worship the Lord, your God in their way. Two times in one chapter, he says, you must not worship the Lord, your God in their way. He doesn't say, you know what, that one might have some good health benefits for you. You know, I liked the way they danced. That was a pretty good stretch. Or that one has some redeeming qualities. Why don't you just plug me into that one? No, he says, have nothing to do with it. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way. These are pagan practices. And we've clearly established that yoga is clearly a pagan practice. The Lord doesn't, he's not going to meet you in a Ouija board session. He's not going to meet you in a seance and he's not going to meet you in a yoga class because they're all pagan practices. And the Lord is very clear about that. And this isn't just an Old Testament thing. The Lord is very clear about this throughout the whole Bible. He says in Romans 12, one to three, He he urges us to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. It says, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's saying, don't conform to how other people are worshiping me. Don't conform to what others are looking like. You look at the Lord's word, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we do that? By spending time with him in prayer, by going to his word and seeking his will. And he's very clear and he's very faithful. When we seek his will on things, he's very faithful to tell us his will, just like here in in these, these verses and many, many more showing that God doesn't share his glory and he doesn't allow us to be to, to plug him into pagan practices in an effort to, to worship him. And it's just what you were talking about, Heidi, too. Going back to the garden, it's the same exact snare that Satan uses. It's like, well, God tells us how he wants us to worship him. He wants us to pray. He wants us to uh, spend time reading his word and Meditating on his word and that, that whole word meditation, that's another whole can of worms. <laughs> Talk about another mm. time if you want. But, um, you know, meditating in the sense of, of thinking about and, and reading and studying and pining over his word. And that's how we get closer to the Lord, not by plugging him into pagan practices.
0: Well, this is so encouraging for me. And I know it's going to be eye opening for many people listening to this as it was for me, because I have been, while I'm not been really in the, in the world of it, I have defended the practice of Christian yoga with this idea. Well, we can, you know, we can, we can certainly not embrace this Eastern religion, this Eastern mysticism, but you're, you have made a very compelling case, uh, according to the word of God, why that's actually not possible. So I really appreciate it. Everybody, we're going to go ahead and end this podcast today and then we'll pick it up again at mailbox Monday. I get so many questions about this topic and many others like it that I'm going to go ahead and, and extend this podcast to next Monday. So I hope you guys will join us. Uh, if you want more information about Jessica Smith, she She can be found at her website, uh, truthbehindyoga.com. And also her book, The Shattering and Encounter with Truth is available on Amazon. I will link back to that today in the show notes. I have read this book and I'm telling you what, It's going to change your perspective on a whole lot of things, not just yoga, but on basically where are we putting our time? What is it that we are allowing the enemy to just very slowly and very cunningly, like he does, uh, worm his way into our mind? So Jessica, uh, would you come back on Monday? We'll pick this up again.
1: I would love to, Heidi. Thanks
0: so much. There's so much more to to talk about regarding all of this. Let's do it. I'm so excited. Everybody, this is Jessica Smith at the Heidi St. John Podcast, episode number 749. Uh, Please be sure to share this podcast with your friends, and I'll see you back here on Monday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.